You are now tuned in, tuned in. to the Spectators, Spectators Podcast. What is happening, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Spectators Podcast. This is number 112. I'm Packy, your fearless leader. Today we're going to talk about the NBA draft and specifically my Detroit Pistons. We're going to get right into it today. I've been trying to stay somewhat consistent around the half hour mark every week, but sometimes I'll talk about my boring ass life at the beginning or I'll read an ad or something and, and those add time, but you guys don't give a shit about those things, but they add time. So today, maybe I don't have a half hour's worth of things on my mind. I feel like I don't, but who cares? You know, it's the wild west out here in the podcasting world. There are no rules and I'd rather give you 15 or 20 minutes of just top-notch A1 content than 20 minutes of great content and 10 minutes of bullshit. I hate listening to podcasts like that, you know? Half the, pa- half the podcast is talking about what you ate for breakfast or something. Like, give me the scoop. So let's go. Make sure you subscribe to the Spectators Podcast on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. If you want to go the extra mile, leave a five-star review. Thank you to all the loyal listeners, and let's pod. You are now tuned in. To the Spectators Podcast. All right, the Pistons. You guys have heard me bitch about the Pistons plenty of times on this podcast. And it isn't the typical complaining of a fan. Oh, we suck. Oh, we're so bad. No. The problem with the Pistons is we are never bad enough. There are 15 teams in the Eastern Conference, all right? Here's our finishes in the conference dating all the way back to the 08-09 season. And we'll start there and work our way to the present. So 08-09. Eighth in the conference. Squeaked into the playoffs. Got swept in the first round. Then 12th. 11th. 10th. 11th. 11th. 12th. Eighth. Squeaked into the playoffs. Swept in the first round. 10th. 9th. 8th. Squeaked into the playoffs, swept in the first round. And then finally last year, 13th. So the last 12 seasons, we haven't won a single playoff game. And we haven't even finished in the top half of our conference. 15 teams, and we never finished better than 8th. In that same time period, we haven't had a draft pick Higher than seven. And that was this last year. Twelve seasons of this. So if you've heard me talk Pistons basketball, you know that this has always been my beef. I've been consistent with this. Not that they suck. You go through bad years, you know, teams suck. It's that we never suck enough. I know you guys are going to clip that and post it on Twitter for me. Finally, this year, we bring in a new GM, Troy Weaver. I I can't tell you what a breath of fresh air this man is to Pistons fans. And here's the thing. At this point, I'm not even thinking about the team he's assembling. I'm just so damn happy that he's doing something. He's picking a strategy and not just wallowing in the in-between in purgatory. There, there's really two strategies to choose from if you want to be a successful GM in the NBA, in my opinion. You win now or you build for the future. If you try to win now and build for the future, best of both worlds, 
chances are you're going to end up sacrificing a decade plus doing absolutely nothing, which is what we've done. And there's a few exceptions to that rule. There's, there's just the goat GMs and, and, and these are the dynasties, you know, those are the best dynasties of all time that can, that can win while still maintaining enough to, to work toward the next few years and build the future. But it's very rare. And Honestly, even if I were to really pour through some of those dynasties, a lot of them embraced a win-now mentality. Like, at the end of the Lakers' most recent dynasty, they brought in old-ass Carl Malone and Gary Payton. They were trying to squeeze out every last drop of that championship core they had while they had it. And then you worry about the future later. The tough part about being, let's say, the Pistons, compared to, let's say, the Lakers, when it comes to win-now as a strategy is that Detroit is not a free agent destination like Los Angeles is. Free agents want to go to Miami, L.A., New York, places like that. So when they hit the market, a team like Detroit generally has to overpay for guys that they want because the only way to bring them in is extra money. You can take a team like um, the Brooklyn Nets and they get Durant and Kyrie out of nowhere because they want to play in New York. The thing is, you can cry about that, but if you're able to build a contender, then you can start to bring in pieces to fit around your, co- your core regardless of what city you're in. Even in markets that aren't typically hotspots, like take Oklahoma City, for example. They had Russ Westbrook, and they had a solid pedigree at that point, had some good players go through there, and a top player like Paul George, who could have gone other places when he became a free agent, chose to re-sign with the Thunder. It's not because he wanted to be in Oklahoma City, I'm assuming. It's because he thought they could contend. They had good pieces. If they stunk, he would have been out. Like he eventually was. Carmelo Anthony went to Portland. Not because he just really wanted to be in the city of Portland, like he did when he went to New York. He went to Portland because they had a nice core of players there that he wanted to play with. So if you're not a free agent hotspot, it doesn't mean it's impossible to bring in free agents ever. It just means you pretty much have to start by building a core through the draft unless you can pull off some amazing miracle trade and and find a way to keep that guy. I'd rather start with the draft. Enter Troy Weaver. He comes in on draft day, blows everything up, He's dealing for draft picks. He's trading every player we have. I think only four players that went into draft day on the roster actually survived the week. That includes Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, who probably won't survive the season because they're two of our top movable assets. And this is what I've been waiting to see for so long from a GM. Credit to to Troy Weaver, of course, but it also confirms to me how bad at their jobs so many GMs are. And I'm not even talking about from a scouting talent perspective because I understand that that can be hit or miss, you know? Lots of times you have guys that everybody thinks are going to be good. All the, um, all the experts are projecting this guy to be number one overall, number two overall, number three overall whatever, you take them, and they're a bust. Like, so I'm not even coming from 
a scouting and talent perspective, which is important, but I'm not coming from that perspective. I'm just talking about something that you're in total control of as a GM, and that's executing the strategy, the blueprint, to give your organization the best shot at a good team. And I'll give you an example, and I'm not even talking about the Pistons here. This isn't even a Troy Weaver example. This year in the draft, a few days ago, the New York Knicks went into the draft with the 27th and 38th picks. The morning of the draft, they traded those two picks, 27 and 38, for the 23rd pick. No players, just straight up 27 and 38 for 23. They then traded that 23rd pick for the 25th and 33rd picks. No players or future picks involved, just straight up. So by just finessing and putting in some work from a general manager perspective, without involving any players or money or anything, the Knicks took number 27 and 38 and turned it into 25 and 33. They moved up two spots in the first round and five spots in the second round with nothing other than good general management. That is the type of shit I've been looking for from the Pistons and for that matter, all my home teams. And I always wonder why more GMs can't pull things like that off it seems like they just get to draft day and they get to the trade deadline and they just, they're just content no matter where their team's at. A little bit of work, a little bit of aggression. Show me you're actually trying to do something rather than just taking whatever falls in your lap. And Troy Weaver was aggressive as hell. He's blown up the roster. He's got some good young draft picks. I'm not even going to pretend to try to really judge the draft picks. I honestly don't know much about them at all. Killian Hayes seemed like the right pick at seven based on people that know the prospects better than I do. I don't love the Isaiah Stewart pick, a 6'9 center who's, you know, the guy that they say can provide energy off the bench. I just feel like those guys are a dime a dozen and, and not necessary to take with the 16th pick in the draft. I feel like there's also a pretty low ceiling there compared to some other guys, but it is what it is. I do like the profile of uh, Sadiq Bey, who we got at number 19. 6'8", sounds like a nice 3 and D guy, which to me is what the NBA is now. Get yourself a stud or two, surround him with a bunch of 3 and D guys, and you got a squad. But again, I'm not even here to judge the talent today. I just want to praise the fact that Troy Weaver is blowing it up and rebuilding. Getting super young and super bad. Hopefully it continues. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Blake Griffin and D. Rose and how the roster actually comes together over the next couple of years. Who are the actual cornerstones moving forward and who are just assets to help build the future? Time will tell. But for Pistons fans, we have a plan for the first time in a decade, and it feels good. All right? Some other draft notes outside the Pistons. Anthony Edwards went number one. There was a story that got some attention leading up to the draft. This is from a Sports Illustrated column. Edwards said, To be honest, I can't watch basketball. I'm still not really into it. I love basketball. Yeah, it's what I do. He also suggested that he started making hip-hop with his older brother, Bubba, taking shots at Dame Lillard in the process. He says, I really can rap. Dame talking about I don't know what he's talking about. I'm rapping like Lil Baby. Now, 
most times I don't really pay much mind to these types of things. I think these are just media, you know, uh, I don't know the word for it. it. It's not much to see here, in my opinion. Just something to talk about, typically. But I can't lie. If I had the number one pick this year, I'm not taking Edwards, and it's based on that. I just think it's hard to be a special player if that's your mindset. If I'm, you know, looking to take a player at number 20, not number one, and that player said the same thing in an interview, not nearly as big of a deal to me then. But you're drafting number one overall. There's other choices. You know, you could take LaMelo Ball. You could take James Wiseman. You could you could take any player you want. You have the number one pick. I want a guy that at the very least I know is is putting basketball first. There's plenty of good players that probably feel the same way as Anthony Edwards in the NBA. You know, basketball isn't their number. They just happen to be really good at it. But I don't know that there are great ones. You know, LeBron, Durant, Giannis. Just think of all the top players in the league. And their worlds revolve around basketball. They're very passionate about basketball. They live and breathe it. Not only are they super good at it, but yeah, it's, 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 it's their passion. When you have the number one pick, I think your goal is to pick that guy that's going to be a perennial all-star, you know? With the number one pick, you're not looking for that guy that's going to be six-man. As talented as Edwards is, and I do, just from a talent perspective, he's very worthy of the number one pick. I think it's tough to get to that level, though, like the perennial all-star, superstar level, if you don't truly, truly love the game. And maybe this was just something he said off the cuff, and it's really not that big of a deal, which is honestly what I tend to think of these types of stories. Um, if he has the work ethic, then, yeah, none of that shit really matters. But work ethic often comes with some type of passion, you know? It's like they say you like to, people generally like to practice what they're good at. You know, if you're in the gym and you can you can kill it on the bench, but you you know, you're skipping leg day all the time. You don't want to lift legs. If you're like, I used to, in, in my heyday with basketball, I was a shooter. I love to go out in the driveway and shoot. I didn't want to go work on my plyos. You know, I didn't want to go try to jump higher. I didn't want to go hit the weight room, even though those things might've helped my game more because I was already a good shooter, but I go spend hours shooting more and shooting more. Um, so as far as work ethic, it does, it does go hand in hand with, with passion to a certain extent. Obviously, many people can overcome that and, and work on their weaknesses, which are the people that do the best. So we'll see. He did say he loves the game. It's what he does. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But if I'm the T-Wolves, I'm not taking him number one. I'll take, I'll take LaMelo Ball's baggage over that, honestly. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, the Warriors took James Wiseman. I'm really sad. We're not going to see the Warriors with Wiseman, Draymond, Wiggins, Steph, and Clay. That would have been a championship contender and a fun watch, but Clay with the Achilles injury is going to miss the whole season again. That's brutal, man. I feel I feel bad for him. What what shit luck that is. As far as the pick, I think it was the right pick for sure. The Warriors did go out and get Kelly Oubre, who I think is 
pretty underrated and actually puts them back on the map as far as title contention, even without Clay. They're not as 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 scary as they would be with Clay. But if the draft pick, if the young cat, if he's ready to be a decent contributor right away, I think it could put him over the hump to compete for for the title. If he's if if he's kind of just a guy in his first year, then they might not have enough fire firepower. They're tricky because Draymond Green is is such a different value and player to talk about depending on what's around him. If you have the right pieces around Draymond, he's an all-star because he's a great team player. He's a good passer. He's a good rebounder. He's a good defender. He runs the floor. He can handle the ball. You name it. But he's not a great individual player. Put him on the Pistons right now and he would suck. I mean, just look at what he did last year with the Warriors without their studs. So without Clay, it'll be really interesting to watch this team because they really do have some nice potential, but it's going to depend on some question marks. A new Kelly Oubre. Um, is Wiggins going to actually be what a lot of people want Wiggins to be? And he's kind of halfway there. Um, and then obviously the rookie James Wiseman. So can they get over the hump and back into title contention? It's possible. We'll see. Um, just a side note on, on the NBA free agency. For those of us that are into sports and pay attention to free agency and contracts and things, I think sometimes we become numb to some of these figures. Fred Van Fleet just signed a four-year, $85 million contract with the Raptors. That's over $20 million a year. $20 million a year he's making. Gordon Hayward signed a four-year, $120 million contract with the Hornets. That's $30 million a year. Like, so often we talk about this and we're like, Gordon Hayward signed for uh, 120 mil, so-and-so signed for blah, 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 and then we go have a bowl of cereal. Like, that is so much money. Jason Tatum just signed a contract extension with the Celtics worth $195 million over five years. That's almost $40 million every year. To put these numbers in perspective, the average CEO at S&P 500 companies makes $15 million per year. The Pistons just signed Jeremy Grant, good player, role player, $20 million a year. He makes more money now than the average CEO of an S&P 500 company. Wild. The NBA seems to be in a good place to me. It's, it's a good time to be a hooper. Um... That's about it with all the NBA stuff, which is the the main focus I had today. I wanted to recap some of that. Um, just to touch on the latest with, with the election and all that, because I know we had a big pod on this topic a couple of weeks ago. Not going to deep dive here today. Just going to say, here we are, November, what is it, 24th when you're hearing this. Trump's legal battle is is ongoing, which I said was fine. Trump's legal battle doesn't seem to be affecting the results of the election, which I said was most likely going to be the case. And the official transition process for a Biden presidency has begun, meaning his team will have access to government office space. They can meet with the Trump administration officials to talk policy, and they get millions of dollars to pay their staffers and, and other expenses. All of this looks like, to me, exactly what I said, that 
None of this is killing our democracy and things are going to be fine. If you turn off the daily media frenzy and don't indulge in every little story they write, things might seem a little less scary. So just wanted to give an update there um, on where it stands right now, but we'll talk about it and reflect on it when things become a little more official and, and finalized. That's it for today, guys. College basketball is right around the corner. Another year for my man Izzo. Can't wait. I hope you guys all have a wonderful Thanksgiving, whether you're celebrating with family or you're quarantining. I hope you all enjoy it and have a happy one. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you get the pod in your library right away. Holler at me at Packy Raps on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. I'm a company man, I do it all for the brand. I give my blood to the job and I give my love to the fans. Really spec from the jump, never no check in advance. And at the end of the month, I earn a check in my hand.